I'm excited about today because this is stuff that is super huge on my heart and gets me really going. Um, Okay, let's pray real quick and get kind of focused up and um, we'll get going. You guys ready? All right, Lord Jesus, we love you. We love your work. God, we just say more of you today. We expect you to move, Lord Jesus. We expect you to speak to us in all kinds of ways today. God, we expect you to speak to us in the workshops. God, we want to leave here totally different. Renew our mind. Change any, any uh, thinking that doesn't line up with your will and your word. We just avail ourselves when we say, God, come have your way in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So my little 12-year-old daughter is hilarious, but nobody knows it because, well, a few people get to see it. She's incredibly shy. She was one of those little kids that if you would say, oh, hi, and, you, and she didn't know you, she would just, you know, go right behind us and not even say anything. It took us years to say, if, we're, if you're with us, there's no stranger danger. You can say hi to anybody if we're like all together. So um, a couple nights ago, actually it was um, Saturday night, we were all just hanging out and she does this thing where she'll get real free around us and she I think she can really sing, but she fakes it by doing this, like, comedy routine. So she's, like, fake singing, but you can tell she can really carry a tune pretty good. And she'll do this, this uh, blues routine. <laughs> I don't know where she heard, like, blues singing, but she, she's awesome, and it's so funny. And we'll, and we'll be laughing so hard we're crying. But no one knows it because she's only free around us. So I'm hoping someday she might be on SNL if she can get over it. <laughs> but she constantly reminds me of if we can really get free in Jesus, if we can really get secure in who we are, we can really do anything. Um, One of my friend's little girls gets in trouble at school all the time. She's so cute. Um, She's a first grader and the thing she, she's real spazzy and wild and little gymnast. And every time they'll call her and say, you know, oh, her name's Olivia too. Olivia got in trouble today. And Here's what she's doing. So she'll have to go up to the school and say, you know, why were you doing, why were you running around? Why were you, you know, why were you spazzing out and doing cartwheels? And why were you, and she always says, I just felt like I was at home. (laughs) She felt free. I forgot I was at school and I couldn't do all that. So um, I want to talk today about really being secure in Jesus. When we're secure and we're um, confident in who we are in Jesus, we're free to do whatever God calls us to do and really be ourselves and be free like funny little girls. <laughs> um, we're going to be in Galatians 2 quite a bit, um, actually in a couple of parts of Galatians, but I'm gonna, I've got a lot of scriptures, so um, I'll try to give you time to flip to them. If you want to just write them down and let me read them, that's totally cool too. But I do encourage you, go read them yourself and memorize them yourself and um, Give God a chance to work in your heart after we talk a little bit today. Um, My grandma um, is named Nancy. I'm Nancy. My mom is Nancy. I used to be really frustrated with that and think, could you guys really not think of another first name at that point? But um, my mom wisely goes by her middle name. But um, this is the grandma who, my, my dad's parents passed away when I was pretty young, but my mom's parents are the ones I would go spend the night with and just spend a lot of time with. They were young grandparents. Well, at this point, um, you know, my kids have really enjoyed getting great-grandparents for a long time, but now um, my granddad's not doing so great. He's getting closer and closer to 90, and my grandmother has been, um, she used to kind of forget words, 
and over the last decade, she is full-on, full-blown dementia, and she doesn't know who my mother is. For a long time, we had about a year there where she thought I was my mom, so we could just kind of fake it, and I could um, just pretend that I was my mom to make her feel comfortable, and I still pretty much knew all the stuff she was talking about because I could just know she thinks I'm my mom. Well, then, now, she doesn't know who I am, um, and she doesn't know who she is anymore. And uh, my mom really goes there about every day, at least every other day, and checks on him. But my mom and dad had an anniversary trip, and they were in um, Santa or where did they go? Santa Fe. Yeah, they were in Santa Fe for about two weeks. And um, I got a call. I have an uncle who lives in town, and I got a call that my grandma was laying on the floor, and no one could get her up. And um, my mom usually is the go-to on that kind of stuff. And uh, so I thought, well... I didn't want my mom to be disturbed on our vacation because my parents don't go do that very much. And so I said, well, I'll come over and just see what I can do. And um, she was on the floor, and she had decided, and I don't know why because dementia is so bizarre, but she had decided if she moved, she was going to get hurt. So she's laying on the floor, and after this big drawn-out deal, I took my kids to Anna. I was able to get her up, get her cleaned up because she'd been there for over a day, Um, got her in bed. And um, so after she's all cleaned up and we're laying there, she has no idea who I am. So it was kind of tricky with, you know, somebody who has dementia, you have to kind of play the game and like, what are they thinking? And I'll just go along with whatever makes them feel comfortable. So we had this time of laying there in her bed together. I got her all tucked in and um, we just kind of cuddled for a minute and she looks at me and I could tell she's like, who is this woman? Because with dementia, you don't, a lot of times they don't know their age. So, you know, you, in the worst stages, you have to cover mirrors and stuff because if they see themselves, it can be really disturbing because they're thinking, who is that old person in the mirror? Um, you kind of go backward in time. So we're laying there in bed, and I'm just trying to think, Lord, I'm just praying, like, Lord, how, can I, how do you connect with somebody who doesn't even know who they are? I didn't know how to relate to her. And so she's, she's just kind of looking at me, and she said, she was trying to say thank you, and all she could say was, you, you're good. <laughs> so I said, well, you're good. You know, we're just kind of having this little... And um, so we got into this weird little exchange where she said, now you're, and was kind of leaving the sentence open, wanting me to, and I said, well, now you're my grandmother, and you're Nancy, and I'm Nancy, and we're the same. And I saw this piece just kind of go, whew, I could see for that moment, whatever her understanding was of what I was saying, it was enough to put her at ease. But it made me think, man, when we don't have any idea who we are, where we're from, who we belong to, She's not even recognizing her home anymore. We are really non-functional. I mean, you really can't do much if you have no idea who you are. And a lot of times, that's how we're functioning in the body of Christ. We have no idea who we are. We don't know our name. We don't know where we came from. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what's ours, what's not ours. So um, we're going to talk a little bit. I want to I get into Galatians 2.20. It is like a verse I eat and breathe, and um, when the anxiety we talked about last night comes on me, I will go for walks and just say this scripture over and over and just consume it. Um, when we read scripture, a lot of times I think the Lord wants us to focus on the phrases and focus on the words and eat it like it's living bread and consume it and feel it go into us and take nourishment from it. Give, it, give yourself a minute. Sometimes we'll just read a, a chapter, but he wants us to read it, soak it up, absorb it, and let it work inside your heart. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read it two times because I want you guys to really think about it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we are um, outside of Jesus and we're just trying to figure out who we are on our own, we spend a lot of time looking around because we, we, want, we want a leader. We want someone to copy. So we look around and we say, gosh, that person totally has it together. I'm going to mimic them. I'm going to copy them. Um, they have a cool ministry. I like the way they do their family. And to an extent, that's good. We are to be discipled by people. But uh, not, not copy, right? Because you're you. Um, the other side is we think, well, I have it all together. So we, we turn to pride, right? And we just think, well, I've got it all together. Well, in Jesus, we're released to really just be who we are. And we don't have to look at other people to see who we are. We say, Jesus, who do you say I am? Who have you named me? Who am I? So in Jesus, we get real freedom. Um, God is, you know, the way we do things, we like cookie cutter stuff. We want it all to be the same. You want your bread to be the same shape when you go buy it. You want everything to be completely manufactured. We like that. We, we do factories. We do manufacturing. God doesn't do that. God does snowflakes. God loves variety. Think of all the tribes and cultures on the earth. He loves it. He's an artist. Think about fingerprints. God is a God of uniqueness. That is his design. We don't like that. We try to reject that. <laughs> we like to do factory. Um, I'm going to talk to you about, there's five things that I want to just share with you. We'll go through each one of them. Um, that really, I am praying that as we go through these, you'll identify maybe some of your own uh, struggles and some of your own tendencies. But Jesus wants you to be you in his body, just like him. <laughs> he wants you to be you in Christ. And that's different from me in Christ. There is one spirit and there is unity among us by the Holy Spirit. But we're to be us in Christ. You are unlike anybody else in this room, anybody else in this town, anybody else on this planet, right? All right, so the first um, key is we've got to ensure that our identity is in Jesus. So what is identity? Identity is the thing we go to for value and for happiness. And I, I do not have this figured out on a weekly basis, probably on a daily basis sometimes. I find my heart finding value and identity from things that are not the Lord. And um, I'll tell you about some of them. <laughs> um, we can try to get our identity from our children, from not having children, from ministry, from having no ministry or perceiving that we have no ministry, from sex, marriage, from being single and not being married, from our appearance, from jobs, from titles, from jobs within the church, from titles within the church, um, all these things can be removed. And if one of those things that you're getting your identity from is removed, then you're finding yourself in a state of identity crisis, right? So the guy who loses his job, the ministry that's taken away, we can find ourselves reeling. Who am I? If I don't do this thing, who am I? Um, our identity as women starts with our identity as Christians. Um, John Piper has a really neat teaching on um, to be reflections of God, that we're like mirrors. I want to read to you um, 
Let's look at, uh, let's go to Genesis 1. I know you guys know this. You can read it if you want. This is chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. You can write it down and read it later if you want to. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So if we're made in God's image, we're image bearers, right? Men and women. And so Piper teaches about when we aim our mirror, like, you know, we're like a stand-up mirror. When we aim our mirror at other people, we're reflecting them. And there's no light there, just like the moon. And the moon, when it's aimed at the sun or when we aim up at Christ, we take that light and we shine with his light. But a lot of times we tilt our mirror away from King Jesus and toward other people. And if there's just darkness there. It's just shadow. It's just self-reflection, right? So I love that. It really helps me because I continue to go, man, what am I trying to reflect right now? Am I trying to reflect that person that I think has it together or this title that makes me feel important and gives me value? Um, I just really love that. So that's John Piper. Um, not only is our identity in Jesus, but our gender is in Jesus. Um, I have kind of troublesome knees, my left one especially, and um, Josh and I run together sometimes, and we were on this run last year, and he was, there was a lot of traffic, so he ended up behind me, and uh, he was like, you run so weird. I was like, what are you talking about? But he says when I run, and it it was a long run, he says I kick my left leg, like I'm running straight, but he said every once in a while I just, this leg, he's like, you kick out. I was like, well, that's really a cool way to run, you just didn't know. But um, I think it's putting all this pressure on my knee. And so I've had to. It's so frustrating to change your gait when you've run one way for a long time. So when I run, it's, it's so frustrating because I imagine, like, it feels like I have, like, a ball between my knees because I have to imagine, like, kicking. To me, it feels like I'm kicking this leg this way. But it's really, I'm just running straight for the first time. Um, but it's been amazing because it's fixed my gait. <laughs> but that's muscle memory, Right? A lot of times when you do something the same way all the time, without even trying, it's muscle memory. And so for us, um, we, our muscle memory, because of the fall, is to go to men for our identity. And so I want to just, um, well, I'll just reference it real quick. Well, this is, I'll read it to you. Genesis 3.16. Um, so, so good. So remember, so they eat of the fruit. God has come, and he's like, man, they've been deceived Um, God's confronting them on it. And this is the result of having eaten the fruit and disobeyed God Almighty. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Got me? Okay, sorry. Um, So yeah, thank you, Eve. That's been awesome for me two times. Um, In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. I think that means a lot of things. Um, I'm not a Bible student. I'm not a theologian. But one of the things I think that means is that our desire shall be either for man to be our God in a lot of ways, and our desire is for man to also um, be our enemy and us to rule over them and be against them. Um, And I know that's that's been in our culture for a long, long time, but I'm seeing it creep into the church, um, especially where women get leadership roles and they're doing a lot of teaching or speaking. 
Um, there's just, well, we'll talk about it in just a second. <laughs> Men can't tell us who we are, right? They're not our creator. They're also not our adversary. Um, we cannot be anti-men to be empowered. We don't have to strive for our role. God created us. He created men and women. Obviously, he valued us. He valued men. He valued women. Both genders reflect something about God, and together, we're a good reflection of him. We're image bearers of God Almighty. Um, Man, on his best day, he can't be Jesus for us. I have a great husband, and he can't be Jesus for me. We had, early on in our marriage, I remember some fights where I was so frustrated with him because I just wasn't fulfilled, and he wasn't doing this, and he wasn't doing that. And I remember this one argument, and we're face-to-face, and I can't even remember what it was about now, but uh, he said, you know, Nancy, I think you want me to be Jesus, and I just can't. I can't be your Jesus. You need to go to Jesus with this because I can't fulfill you. And I realized that for him, I was, give me value. Give me ha- I'm not happy. Make me happy. I don't feel valuable. Make me feel valuable. And he, he didn't have the ability to do it because he's not my creator. As great as he is, he's not my creator. Um, we're partners with men. We're complementary image bearers, which means we're different, but we're both image bearers of God Almighty, and we're both valuable. So we can't look to men to give us our value, and that can creep into um, dating relationships. You marry who you date. Um, just wanting attention from men and approval from men. That can even happen as married women wanting approval from men who aren't your husband. So there's lots of yucky ways that can creep in where we just really want value from men in general. Or we want to prove that, darn it, we're, we're uh, better than, smarter than, just as good as, whatever, men, and we contend. And instead of being complimentary and partners in the gospel, we try to usurp and go above. And that can be a real problem with pastors and elders and husbands um, and trying to follow the Lord if you're trying to usurp <laughs> and prove that you're uh, over men. Uh, so we don't need to contend. We don't need to copy them and try to be like them. Have you ever seen, um, and sometimes it's more on Christian television, but um, some of these women who try to, you can tell they're really not comfortable in their own skin and they're really trying to be masculine. And they feel like if I can just be more masculine, then people will take me seriously when I speak and when I teach. And it's such a shame because they're really not being themselves. Femininity is not, a, it's not weakness at all. It's wonderful. God made women. It's wonderful. And so I, just, I, I pray a lot of times, especially for female leaders, that we would just embrace femininity, that we would be okay with being a woman. God made us that way. It's a good thing. We don't need to copy men or be men to be um, powerful, to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by Jesus. So how did women matter to Jesus? Well, he could have come to earth a billion ways. He's God. But he came by a woman. He chose to be put into a womb, to be there for 40 weeks or however long it took. Probably not. I bet it was early. (laughs) That was a rough donkey ride. (laughs) But he chose to nurse from a mommy. Man, that's just amazing that God would want to identify with us so much that he would be born of a woman. After the resurrection, he appeared to the two Marys. He could have appeared. Think of all all the men he spoke to, all the all of the Pharisees and Sadducees. If I was Jesus, I would have shown up to them and been like, ha ha, <laughs> you know, I told you. But no, he appeared to the Marys. Amazing. He valued, in that culture that he would 
let women come and testify that he had been risen from the dead. That's crazy and so wonderful. He was changing everything, even then. Um, And he treated every woman, even in all of his interactions, as real people. And think of Mary and Martha. And when he goes to Lazarus, man, they were his friends. That's That's the house he wanted to go to, to relax, to sit, and to be he wept when Lazarus died because he loved that family. That Those siblings, they were his, his friends. So he even befriended um, Mary and Martha. So I really, I'm praying that in the church we'll put an end to this gender enmity, that we would not, the battle of the sexes is so worldly, we're not at battle, right? We're not. We, we need to value men and be so thankful God's put them in our lives and then realize, man, we are valuable to them. We have a major role to play, and it is good, and it is powerful, and it um, does damage to darkness when we find the value in who we really are. And that is exciting and dangerous. Um, so our identity is in Jesus. Our gender is in Jesus, right? Also, our stage of life is in Jesus. And I get so excited about this. Um, because I'm getting old enough now to have a couple stages behind me. (laughs) I can see more clearly the farther along you go. Um, So we spend a whole lot of our time looking forward or looking backward. And at this point, you know, I've got a middle schooler and an old elementary school kid, an older elementary school kid, and um, I just remember so longing. And and they were hard toddlers, man, Um, especially my daughter. Boy, she was so smart, which is hard for a two- and three-year-old. So smart, and she was really good at knowing how to work it. Um, But I just long, I look back and I think, man, I spent so much of that time going, someday this will be over. Someday they're going to get bigger. (laughs) And when they were little in nursing, I would think, okay, someday this is going to be passed and they'll be toddlers and I won't have to do this. We can do Cheerios, you know, just always looking forward. Soon this will be over. Soon this will be over instead of really enjoying the stage. And I had no, I mean, you, people always say, it goes so fast, it goes so fast. Man, I had no idea. It's gone. And you don't, it's gone, right? Totally gone. Can't get it back. Um, or we spend time looking back and thinking, man, I wish I would have, could have, should have. And we, we, we feel sad about that. Or we want an eight ball and we want to just, what's next? What's next? Instead of really being in the stage we're in and in the moment. So how are you here in this moment today? on September 21st. Did you just work it out in your control and in your power? Did you um, orchestrate being here? Did you decide where you were going to be born? How did you end up in this city? Who are your parents and when were you born? Did you decide your age? All those things were completely God's design and in his control. And I think a lot of times we, we make God quite a bit smaller than he really is. But man, he has got a plan working. And we are so tiny. <laughs> but he cares so much about us. So where are we belittling our situations right now? Um, are you single? Are you married? Are you retired? God is not sloppy in his placement. He's deliberate. So we can't really be anything we want to be, which is kind of what our culture says, but we can be who we were designed to be, Right? First Peter 4.10, um, I'm going to read it to you. Let me get there real quick. Actually, yeah, let me just read it to you. As each has received a gift, 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Romans 12, uh, 1 through 6. I want to read the whole thing to you. And I know this is a lot of scripture, but man, this is who we are. And I encourage you guys to write these down. And then throughout the next several weeks, just start memorizing them. Because you've got to know who you are. This is Romans 12, verse 1 through 6. Do not be conformed to this world, whatever the world says about us, our culture, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind by Scripture and what Scripture says about you. I'm adding. (laughs) That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And I'm just going to stop right there. I know there's a little bit more of that verse. Um, I love that. I love it. So good. So what do we do where we're at? Are you um, a mom of little kids? Are you um, an empty nester? Do you have a lot of time on your hands? Are you retired? Are you working nine to five and just have your evenings? Whatever you have right now, there's a place for you and there's a way to function in the body of Christ. Um, We put on aprons. Remember at the Last Supper, And you can imagine how, kind of like what we talked about last night with circumstances. Can you imagine the circumstances and the weight on Jesus that night? And how, what was on his mind, he knew what was coming. He knew the cross was right around the corner. And he had every, um, if we just looked at it in our own eyes and in our flesh, he had every reason to say, you know what guys, I'm going to leave. You can handle dinner yourself. I'm going to just go curl up, beetle outside and wait it out. But he didn't do that. What did he do? Even in awful circumstances, even um, really he could have just bailed, but he put on an apron, right? And he got down on his knees, the king of everything, and he washed feet. And in that situation, he said, okay, what is my job here? And that's what it was, to wash the disciples' feet. So um, we talk a lot about that at our church. Well, put on an apron, put on an apron, which just means engage where you're at. Put on your apron, wherever you are, whether it's a mom apron or or whatever kind of apron. Um, we waste a whole lot of time looking at other people's callings. Um, Anna has two little kids, and there's a, a lot of my friends have got smaller kids right now. Um, and we do, our church is kind of set up where we have C groups. And so that's kind of our community groups. It's where small groups meet throughout the week, and they all meet at random different days, different times, in different people's homes. And um, it would be easy to say, well, I can't be involved in a C group. I can't really engage in ministry because I've got these little kids, and you know they're always in the way, and they don't let me do ministry. But what a group of moms has decided to do is they meet early. You guys meet at like 10, don't you? Perfect time for little kids who nap and go to bed really early. But they, they meet together early in the morning at a home. And that wouldn't happen unless some of those moms said, you know what? Community's important and little kids really aren't in the way. And this is our stage and so this is how we're going to do it. And so somebody stepped up <laughs> and said, okay, we can do a mom C group. Maybe we can't do an evening thing, but we can do this because that's their stage. And so they're ministering to each other. Women who otherwise would just be like, well, I can't be involved because I've got these little kids are joining with other women and encouraging them, praying for them, and engaging in ministry. Well, in five years, those women will all be doing different things. But I pray to God the next group 
engages too, because that'll be their stage. Um, there's a sweet lady, Polly, who is retired, and she's so funny, but she comes in to the office almost, I think she's there probably every day, at least every other day, and she's just always there. She's just working, and I don't even know what Paul, Polly's just, she answers the phone. Somehow she knows everything about everything and what to do, but she's retired. She's got grandkids, and she's, she's so fun and easy, and she's just hanging out. She'll pray for anybody who comes in, and she's just there ministering all the time, but it's because she, she can do that. She's retired, and uh, she just has said, what do you guys need? And we'll say, well, just come to the office and help. And she just comes and does whatever needs to be done. Um, some of my best friends that coffees, Justin and Courtney, um, Justin is our community group pastor. And they live in kind of a historic neighborhood with this great big porch. And um, I could never do this, but this is their way. They, on Saturday morning, sometimes they have made friends with all their neighbors, lots of lost neighbors, people who don't even attend church, don't care about God. It's a real artsy area, very liberal. And um, they go through, I mean, three or four pots of coffee on Saturdays because people know they're just hanging out on their porch. And they, if you go by there, there's like 15 or 20 neighbors just drinking coffee and they're just sharing about Jesus, sharing life. It's crazy. And they have the grace to do it, but it'll be like one o'clock on Saturday. I'm like, don't you guys want to go to Home Depot or something? But they're just hanging out with neighbors, ministering. But they have four small kids, and the whole time their kids are just doing life, in and out the door, riding bikes. But that's their stage. They've got kids, they've got a house, and so they can just open it because it works for them. They don't have to do a formal, um, you know, let's all go to lunch. And it, they just open their life where their life is at right now to love people and share the gospel. Um, without a whole lot of puff or circumstance or any of that. So God has a place for you in your faith community, and it's okay whatever stage of life you're in because God's placed you, and he knows where you're at. So our identity is in Jesus, our gender is in Jesus, our stage of life is in Jesus, wherever we're at, and our moments are in Jesus. And this has been so life-changing for me um, this year with dealing with a lot of the stress and anxiety that I've been dealing with, but just to walk with God and um, not have to, there's a lot of pressure that you have to, quiet times are great, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And especially if you have babies or um, if you have a really busy life or you're a single mom, um, you just, sometimes you just get derailed. In my life, I'll plan something and I'll get a phone call with a crisis and it's like, "Mm, oh well, or I need to go help with something. And so you can't always control your moments, but man, God has our moments. He wants us to walk with him. No matter what's going on and what we're doing, he wants us to walk with him. So I'm thinking of in Eden when before the fall and in the cool of the evening, they would just walk and talk with God and be with him. That's really what God wants from us. He just wants us to be with him. He went to the cross so that we could be with him, and he wants to walk with us like that moment to moment. He's the vine. This is John 15, 4 and 5, if you want to look it up. But remember, God says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Be in me so that you can bear fruit. And so even in our daily lives, when we wake up, he wants us to be in him, which means, it's like, gosh, what does what she mean in Christ, in Christ? It means we realize, man, right now, God knew I'd be right here at this point. I want to invite him. I want to, I want to participate. Even Jesus said, Father, I, I do what the Father's doing. I don't just do what I want to do. If the Father says that I say it, I'm participating with him. And that's really a picture for us of that's what we're supposed to be doing. Instead of just, I'll, I tend to wake up and hit the ground running. I'm a morning person. And so I'll just go, go, go. And all right, I've got this plan. I'm going to go pick up this thing. I'm going to take it by the church. And I have my big agenda. But really, God has a plan in each of those little moments, right? 
where you wake up and it's like, okay, Lord, as I'm making the kids' lunches, I think, okay, what, what do you want to do today? Because sometimes it's not really what's on my plan, but it's a really good thing. And I can participate and say, Lord, what are you doing? Let me participate with you instead of me saying, God, come join me in this. Come join me in this. <laughs> he might have a whole different plan. And to get to participate with him in our moments and just to talk and listen, a lot of times we'll just rush through our day and we don't take the time to just be listening and, and learn his voice and say, hmm, I feel a pull to do this. I wonder why. Do I have time to do it? Yeah. I wonder if this is the Lord. Maybe. Let's go see because there might be something really fun in store. Should I stop by that lady's house? Should I call that person? Should I go see if they need help here? Should I read that scripture? A lot of times that's the Lord, and he's got a plan he wants to include. Sure, he can do it himself, but he's a good daddy, and he wants to include you in what he's doing, right? So you think of um, Psalm 90, verse 20. It says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So God... I just, I pray that right now over us, Lord Jesus, that we would have a heart of wisdom, that we would know our days are from you and our moments are from you. God, I ask that it would be a reality to us. That's my heart's prayer. You know, Mary and Martha, um, when Jesus was there, Martha was so angry at the Lord, and I'm very Martha-esque. I mean, I'm just go, go, go. And you think, you know, Mary was just sitting there and eating of the Lord and listening to him. And Martha was just trying to do for Jesus. She was trying to quickly make the meal and serve him. And she, was, she really was trying to serve him. But she just, she was doing for him, for him, for him. Not really paying attention to what he was doing. And he, it was a time to stop and listen and absorb from him and do something with him. And really what's happening there is Mary's with Jesus in what he's doing. And Martha's kind of segmented off. She's got her own big thing going. She's got her own momentum. But I think that a lot of times the Lord wants us to, instead of doing things for him, without him, he wants us to participate with him and not just for him, but with him. Um, And a lot of times that's really helpful throughout the day. You can stop if you feel like, man, I wonder what I should be doing right now, or how should I be ministering, or what should I be engaging in? And you don't really hear the Lord. Sometimes a great question is to say, okay, am I doing something for God right now? Or am I doing something with God right now? And a lot of times I'll go, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing something for him. But where is he? And a lot of times, something I'm doing, I might need to stop, you turn, and go, okay, what are you doing today? What do you want me to do today? And man, it's a great way to be on mission with him. And I get surprised all the time when I, when I become self-aware enough to go, oh, wait a minute, I think I'm off here. And to engage in whatever I feel like he's telling me to do, I mean, he blesses it. And you start seeing really cool supernatural stuff happen in your normal mundane Tuesday <laughs> or whatever, um, whatever day it is. So um, we're walking, Galatians 2.20, we're walking through this life in Jesus, right? This life in the flesh, we're walking with Jesus. So our identity is in Jesus, our gender is in Jesus, our stage of life is in Jesus, and our moments are in Jesus, and we're participating with him. He's our meal So lastly, our contribution is in Jesus. Whatever we have to give to the body of Christ, that's in Jesus. Our gifts, our talents, our resources, all those things are from him. He put them inside of us. Whether you're good at um, leading worship or playing an instrument or singing, whether you're good at office work and you're super administrative, God bless you, whether you're good at phone calls or hospitality and making coffee and making people feel welcome in this place, whether you, um, I mean, that's so huge just to say, this is our house, welcome and come here. That's such a gift. But whatever that is, that was something that God put in you 
because he wanted that gift functioning in you. He put it in you from him and for his glory. So he's the vine, we're the branches, we're in him, we're functioning in him, we're we're receiving from him, gifting, and then we're functioning for him. So don't sit on those gifts. They're eternal things. Um, When when I first got married, I married um, a youth pastor who was like part-time youth pastor, and he was also uh, worked a regular job, and we were both doing college. It was crazy, and no one told us that was stupid, but um, they should have, because we were never home, and it was really rough. But we had um, a Tuesday night. We had, our church was kind of set up at the time in kind of like parishes. There was like a north meeting place, and a south meeting place, and a central meeting, and we had a Tuesday night youth group, a Wednesday night youth group, a Thursday night youth group, and they all had different youth group names and kids, and then later on, we did a college ministry, and it had a brand and a name. And then we did a 20s, 20s couples, 30s couples, 40s couples, and they all had names, and all the groups had these brandings and cool names and labels and all that, and flyers, and all that is totally gone. All those flyers, all the promo stuff, for all that, it's gone. I don't even know where it is. It's in the trash. But we'll run into people at the mall, and some girl will say, oh my gosh, I was in that one youth group you guys used to meet, and I brought my friend, and she came to know Jesus, and now she's married to a pastor, and she lives in Missouri. And it's like, random, random. And it's the stuff, it's not the brands, it's not our stuff, our programs, our labels that last, but the fruit of the Spirit is what endures. And... 500 years, who knows if my church will be here, if Jubilee Church will be here. Who knows if our congregations will be named what they're named and gathered, but the body of Christ, right? Who knows when the Lord's coming back, but it's the Spirit and the things of the Spirit that will endure forever. So what we do with our gifts and what we do for the Lord, whatever it is, that's the stuff that's going to be eternal and last. We're living a Christ-centered gospel, gospel-centered grace. We've been forgiven a huge debt this has really, really helped me um, as far as identity goes. I tend to, I really like people to like me. I'm sure you guys aren't like that at all. But I really want people to be happy with me and like me. And I want people to really appreciate when I do good work because I'm very busy and good at doing good work. So um, it's been really helpful for me because I, I tend to, um, if I'm not noticed in that, I can really get my feelings hurt sometimes. And I've noticed that I tend to be that way. Like, well, gosh, that was, I did that, and it really is so much better, but no one really cares but me. That's so strange. Um, <laughs> so true. But I know I'm that way, and I think what it comes from is I, I'll find myself wanting that value and happiness from other people. And so I'm trying to, I come hungry to relationships if I don't get fulfilled in Jesus, and I, I'm trying to eat of people. I want some, I'm hungry, and I want that value and happiness. So when we deal with people, especially in whatever your ministry is, whether you're teaching and speaking, whether it's hospitality, whatever your actual gifting is, if you come to that mission that God gives you hungry, you're going to destroy the relationships of the people you're ministering to and ministering with. Um, so there's some difficult people in my life. I'm sure you guys have those. Um, could be people you minister to. Could even A lot of times it could be family members. And when you go to be with them, you're, you realize you're really wanting their approval. You're really wanting something from them, and they don't ever really give it. And sometimes that could even be like parents. Um, even if they're deceased, you can find yourself, you've got this longing. Like, I just want somebody to tell me I'm okay. I want somebody to tell me I'm doing a good job. And, and you find it's never coming. And um, there's a point in time where we really have to, and that it may be through inner healing. It may through, be through getting some real serious counseling because it could be severe or it could just be taking that time to sit with Jesus like Mary did and eat of him and say, God, who do you say I am? 
Are you happy with what I'm doing? Am I on mission for you? Who am I in you? And this isn't something you just kind of go, I mean, sometimes I'm sure the Lord can just, you know, download, here's who you are in me, and wow, that's awesome. But sometimes we have to just sit, and we have to memorize, and we have to say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life, on this Wednesday morning, on this Sunday morning, on this Saturday morning, I now live in the flesh by your spirit because you're living in me and working in me. A lot of it is we haven't really done diligence here to memorize and learn who we are. But if we can do that, man, you can come, you can fill up with Jesus like Thanksgiving full, like sated, full of, oh my gosh, I'm adopted, I'm loved. He gave himself for me. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. All the things that are true, we have to renew our mind. What's true? What does God say about me? And we get full of that. Then when you go and minister to the difficult person that, that um, isn't, isn't giving you any feedback, that isn't appreciative of what you're doing for them, it doesn't matter because it's that eternal fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's that eternal thing that you're doing unto Jesus for him. You're full. You know who you are because God's told you who you are because you've taken the time to really listen and find out who you are. So you can, do, you can do crazy things for Jesus if you know who you are. You can do blues musician <laughs> entertainment <laughs> if God calls you to do it. <laughs> um, I want to uh, read to you 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Um, you don't need to turn there, but I am going to read. Um, well, yeah, I'll read it for you. But if you want to turn there, it's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Um, I don't want you to think I'm saying it's not okay to be disappointed when people disappoint you in ministry because they're going to disappoint you and they're going to frustrate you. But if we're full of the Lord Jesus and we know who we are, um, it's a lot easier to forgive quickly and yank those arrows out of your back and the knives out of your back real quickly and bless them if you're full of the Lord Jesus and you know, man, it's all right. It's not about me. It's okay. And if no one notices what I did and I don't get the um, affirmation I wanted, God saw, God told me to do it. It was for him anyway. And it's okay. It's all right. I'm full. I'm not hungry. I don't need to go and um, try to eat and take. I'm full from what Jesus has said about me. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, that everything you need, sufficiency, having all suffici- sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So God's able to make all grace abound to you for whatever your um, stage of life is, whatever your ministry is, whatever your calling is, whatever you're good at as we go through the sessions this afternoon and, and learn more about what we're supposed to be doing for ourselves and our identity God has grace for you. He puts you here at this time because he wants you here at this time. He has a purpose for your life right now, 2013, right now. Um, Jesus saw what the Father was doing, and he just did what the Father was doing. That's what we need to do. Jesus, what are you doing? St. Louis does not need clones. St. Louis does not need factory women. Doesn't need a bunch of copies. This town needs women who know who they are in Jesus who are themselves in Jesus, functioning in the body of Christ, loving people well. So our identity is rooted in Jesus. Our gender is rooted in Jesus. Our stage of life, whatever that is, it's rooted in Jesus. He knows where you're at. He knew you were going to be here today at this moment. And our contribution, what we have to give, that's in Jesus too. It's for him. 
It's not for anybody else. So we're free to just fill up with him and love people well. Um, I want to just pray. I, I feel like um, if, if that, let's just go ahead and stand up. If that's you and you just really feel like, man, I've been looking to other people. I've really been trying to get my identity from um, maybe my husband, maybe friends, maybe just other women in the church. Um, and you just feel that's really you and you've been looking to things, maybe your job, maybe your lack of a job, maybe not being able to have children or having children. And that's really been your identity and what you're getting your worth from. I, I want us to just take a minute um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to pray a repentance prayer and you guys just join me and whatever that thing, if God's bringing it to mind, um, I, I want to just take a minute as a group and we're just going to hand it over to him. And then we're going to ask him to come in power and give us our identity in him apart from that junk. Because even the good stuff, it's just stuff. He's the treasure, right? We talked about that last night. He is the treasure. Walking with him and being with him. And he's the source of all the good stuff. He's the source of all the good jobs. He's the source of all affirmation. He's our daddy in heaven. So Lord Jesus, we as a group of women, we repent for going to stuff and people and idols for our identity. God, we call it sin, and we don't want it. And Lord, we just ask that in your power that you would come with your Holy Spirit right now and you would remove the sin from our hearts, that you would give us clean hearts, Lord Jesus, whether it's jobs or children or whatever, God, whether it's our ministry or our title, Ugh. God, just remove the identity from us that is not from you. And God, we just thank you that you came. You sent your son that we could be daughters. We could be daughters in your house. Lord, we want to function in the way you made us to function. We want to be who you made us to be, Lord God. We don't want to try to be something we're not. We thank you for our personalities. We thank you for our gifting. We thank you that what we're good at, you made us good at for your glory. So God, we just hand it to you right now. We repent for where we've tried to be self-serving with it. And God, we ask that you would teach us who we are. God, I ask that you would bless these women, even, um, even in this new season of this church. God, I pray that you would give them a hunger for your word and for your truth, that they would long for you like deer after water, that they would be thirsty for you, Lord Jesus, that they would long to meet with you. And God, I ask that supernaturally you would open their ears, that they would hear your voice like they never have before, that you would call them by name, that you would begin to say, you're my daughter, I've called you to this, that you'd give them passions, God, that, that their hearts would be lit aflame for what lights your heart aflame, Father God. God, I ask that you would put them individually on mission for what you want them to do. And God, I ask that you would put them on mission as a group, that this would be a house of women that knows who they are in you, a powerhouse of women who's functioning by the Holy Spirit. God, I just speak freedom in Jesus' name over these women. We just say freedom, freedom, freedom. God, break the chains of culture and of pressure from the world. And God, I ask that you would give these women wings and freedom to be who they're called to be in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that we don't have to strive to be powerful. We don't have to strive to be noticed. But, God, we can just be full of you and shine with your glory and who you are. 
God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. God, we just seal up everything that I spoke today, God, that was your heart. I just ask that you would seal it up over these women, that they would remember, that they'd remember who they are, that they would absorb you, Lord Jesus, and reject every lie of the enemy. We just speak truth in Jesus' name. Amen.